Well, welcome, friends. It's good to see you guys in person. And also, for you guys online, it's really good to know that you're listening. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. My name is Rich, and I'm the high school and middle school pastor. And I'm thrilled to be here this morning. Woo! We got some middle school students. All right. And high school students. All right. I, I got to tell you, what I'm going to talk about today is as much for me as it is for you because God has been working on me in this area. It started early for me. In fact, I can remember at eight years old, God starting to work, do this great work, this God-sized work in my life. Yeah, that's me. Uh, don't let the cock to the side cap fool you. I was an absolute angel. I never caused anybody any problems, as this story is not going to show. <laughs> About that age, my dad, in his great wisdom, decided to show me how to make a slingshot. And so he told me you can cut a branch out of a tree that has a Y in it, and then you can take an old bicycle inner tube and, and tie it on it, and you can make this amazing weapon. Okay, how many of you have ever built your own slingshot? All right, there's a few of you here. Okay, not enough. So high school and middle school, school students, this is better than Fortnite. It's a lot better than Fortnite. Anyway, my dad teaches me how to make my a slingshot, and so I went and I made myself my first slingshot. And I remember as soon as I made it, I went out in the alley behind our house, and I started looking for targets. And I was having a blast, and then I came upon the perfect target of all targets. It was my neighbor's garage door. And it had all these beautiful wood panels. And I thought, man, if I can hit the center of one of those wood panels, I am absolutely amazing. And so I took a shot, pulled back, let it fly. And that stone, it was not my aim, that stone took this weird curve and it went right through the window. And I'm like, oh, that kind of sounded cool. And so I picked up five more rocks and shot out five more windows. Now, the weird thing was the neighbor lady sat there or stood there on the back porch, and she watched this whole thing, and she never stopped me. And so what she did do, though, was she immediately got on the phone and called my mom. And I get home, and there's my mom. And man, it's the stink eye. And I'm like, I know I'm in trouble. And then it even gets worse. She says those dreaded words, when dad gets home, you're in trouble you will be corrected for your behavior. And I'm like, oh, I'm shaking in my boots. Well, sure enough, dad got home and the correction started. I remember that he pulled me up and sat me in his lap and he tenderly talked to me and said, Richie, what you did wasn't good. You, you can't do things like that. And then he, he said, I love you and that's why I'm gonna have to spank you. And I'm like, yeah, you love me, right? If you love me, you wouldn't spank me. And then he proceeded to spank me. And you know what? It hurt. It hurt. Correction hurts. Anybody give an amen to that? Correction hurt? Anybody? Yeah. I'm not the only one who knows that. No one likes correction. We, most times, we run from it. We tend to hide our mistakes. I had no plans on telling my dad that I had shot out all those windows. No plans. Because we don't want to feel the pain of correction. Am I right? Yeah. Like my high school students say, now brace yourself. These are their words. Correction sucks. And you know what? It does. It really does. 
Well, as a church, we're in the middle of a series that's called New Year, New You. And the theme verse for that series is Proverbs 3, 6. And it goes like this. In all your ways, know God, and he will make your paths straight. What if God's correction in our lives causes us to know God better and actually helps make us better? more happy, more fulfilled, more able to handle the rough times in life that are sure to come. I believe that if we choose to not run from correction and to even pursue correction, we will know God better and we will be better because of it. Now, some of you guys are still thinking, are you crazy, Pastor Rich? Pursue God's correction and discipline? No, thank you. I'd rather not know that side of God. Right? Well, Maria Mia, my wife, has a prayer that she often prays. And it goes like this. These are her words. God, tell me gently what I need to change. I want to be a quick learner. But please don't correct me with a spanking. Please don't punish me with pain. I think that is a wonderful prayer. We should probably all be praying that. So if correction is painful, why would we accept it? And why in the world would we pursue correction? Let me give you two reasons. First of all, because God, he loves us. He loves us just like my daddy loved me. Picked me up in his lap and said, I'm going to have to correct you to make you better. So does our God. He loves us enough to correct us. God knows that our mistakes not only hurt us, they hurt the people around us. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he, what's it say? Loves. He loves. Here's another reason why we should pursue correction. Because God uses correction to make us better. Listen to this. The Bible says no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Can you agree with that? It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. If you would pull out your notes right now, I'd like you to underline that word afterward because it's an important word. That word reminds us that after correction is complete, we become better because of it. Guess what? After my dad's correction, I never used my slingshot again to shoot out windows. Never. So you can relax. Your car windows are safe, even though I have a slingshot. <laughs> God's correction makes us better. Are you brave enough this morning to say that phrase out loud? Let's try it. We're going to say it out loud. God's correction makes us better. You ready? God's correction makes us better. Okay, right about now, I would normally say something like this. I couldn't hear you. Let's say that again louder. But I'm not going to do that because I can tell that some of you are sitting in this audience and you're like, I don't believe that for a minute. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. My prayer has been, as I've been preparing for this message, that God would change your mind, 
just as he's changed my mind about this subject of correction. In fact, just this week, my thinking was corrected by my friend Fritz. He said something like this. Could it be that we don't recognize correction as correction until it becomes painful? Could it be that correction can actually be relatively painless? You know, until that moment, until we talked, I had never considered that correction could be painless. But you know what? That makes sense, complete sense. God, our God, is a gentle, compassionate God. Of course he loves to correct us in pain-free ways. Listen to what the Bible says. Don't you realize that God's kindness, that it's God's kindness that is trying to lead you to him and change the way you think and act? His kindness. He corrects us through kindness. I see proof of this gentle correction all over my life. During my amazing experience of moving to Brownsville from Pennsylvania, can't you see my face getting happier as I move down here, right? <laughs> That's a long ways to come. During this time of moving to Brownsville, God corrected my stereotype of Texans. They don't all own horses. They don't all have 10-gallon hats. They don't all carry guns. A lot do, but not everybody. All, God used that experience to correct my thinking. Here's another one. My precious time as a, as a member of a small Spanish-speaking church for over 35 years, God corrected the prejudice I had learned that said all Hispanics hate gringos. I never felt that. I always felt love for my Hispanic family. I always felt acceptance. God corrected that. Here's another one. My marriage to the woman of my dreams, Maria Mia. God corrected my wrong view of what it means to be a husband. You see, my actions in an early part of our marriage, they, they showed that, that I was a boss and I was in control and that it, her opinion didn't matter. God used Maria Mia to correct me gently. Honey, I love you. Thank you for putting up with me. All of these important, life-changing corrections involve very little pain. And to be honest, they involved a lot of joy. You see, God's correction makes me better. God chooses first to gently correct us. And he does this through life experiences, through the people we rub shoulders with, and through the Bible. You know what? I think the Bible is God's gentlest method of correction. I'm convinced of it. Yet sadly, the method, this method, the Bible is the one we use the least. It's someone we've refused to pursue. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about itself. It says, all scripture, every word that's written in God's word is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. I saw this happen in my life 
even as a teenager, I want you to picture me. I'm a, I'm a teenager, and I'm reading through the Bible, and I get to the book of Matthew, and then I get to this verse. Listen to this verse. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now I want you to imagine a hormone-infested teenager reading that verse. Right? It's like, oh, this is an aha moment. God gently showed me that lust is dangerous. He gently showed me that I should do everything in my power to avoid starting down that road. Lust has consequences. I got all of that correction from just a few words found in the Bible. Friends, if you started the BCF Bible Reading Challenge, don't stop. If you stopped reading the Bible plan on your phone, catch up. If you haven't started, start today. We've even restocked Bibles back at the Purpose Center. You can pick one up on your way out. They're $10 each, and you can start today. The best way to avoid harsher treatment, harder, more painful correction is to allow God to correct us gently. That makes sense, right? But if we refuse to listen to that gentle correction, man, God gets a little louder because God then corrects us through people. People who love us, our church leaders, our spouses, our siblings, our parents. I remember as an adult being corrected by my father. I want you to picture this me. I'm working as a building contractor. We'd taken on this job to remove a flat roof off of a house and put a steep roof on it. And we were using 400-pound trusses to do that, prefabricated wood, if you would, just like this. And we're, we're taking them and we're dragging them over, just me and my partner, and we're climbing up a ladder and pushing them up on the roof. And then we're getting up on the roof and dragging them across and then one by one setting up them up in place. Well, my dad happened to be visiting from Pennsylvania at that time. And I can remember to this day, he was standing there by the sidewalk on the road and he's just kind of like watching us with a confused look on his face. And he says, guys, take a minute. Will you, will you come over here? I, I need to talk to you. He said, if you keep this up, you're going to ruin your backs. Guys, don't do it. Rent a crane. And, and me and my partner all were thinking of, we didn't have any money to rent a crane. So we kept using our brute force. Hmm. Well, 60 years and two herniated discs later, I wish I'd have taken God's correction through my dad. Listen to me. What concerns have your parents, your spouses, your children, your pastors... What concerns or corrections have they been repeating for months, maybe even years? Maybe it's your harsh words, your swearing, your drinking, your cutting words that insult and hurt. Maybe it's your procrastination. 
Have you allowed God to do the work of correction through their words? Or are you brushing them off? Remember, God's correction makes me better. God also corrects us through people we wouldn't expect. And I believe that this is the most ignored by us as adults. As we get to this certain age or certain level in our jobs, we begin to feel like we are above correction, especially from people that are under us. Well, in the Bible, we find a very interesting story. It's a story of a nobody troublemaker named Shimei. And he corrects King David, the king of all Israel, and he corrects him with stones. Let me fill you in on what it looked like. David's empire had just been overthrown by his son. And David's running for his life. The Bible says he's running in this ravine. And I just picture him running down through there, surrounded by his soldiers. It says his soldiers are right around him. I picture them with their, their shields up over their heads, and, and he's in the middle, just like bodyguards protecting him. And along comes Shimei, running across the top of that ravine, looking down, picking up rocks, and chucking them at them, trying to hit David. And then he starts swearing at him and telling him all kinds of awful things. And right about this time, the soldiers, I, I just picture them. In fact, the Bible says they stop and they turn to David and said, let's get rid of this guy. Let's put him to death right now. And you know what? Here's what's so interesting. King David had every right to say, go ahead. Shimei was definitely in the wrong. And later, Shimei did pay for his actions. But at that moment, at that moment, David told his men, Stand down. David considered, and this is in the Bible, that God could be correcting him through this nobody. Look around you. Who are those people underneath you, below your pay grade, that God's been using to speak correction into your life? Are you listening? I remember when someone under me, God used them to correct me. It was my daughter, Misty Dawn. And it wasn't anything she said. It was a look on her face. You see, I had a, a, an office in the top of our house that was my business office. It's where I did the business books. And I had this desk and everything was in perfect order. I knew where everything was. I knew how to find it. When I go up there to sit down and do books, I could get right to work. And I had told my kids a billion times, don't use my desk as your playground. And one day I come home from work, and for the 50 billionth time, the desk was covered with clutter, and it was all Misty Dawn stuff. And I remember I was so furious, I scooped all that stuff and swept it into my shirt. I walked into her room, she's laying on the floor, and I remember I flipped it up onto her and on the floor and turned around them, and as I'm about to storm out, I see this look of fear in her eyes. And as I walked away, that look corrected me. God spoke to me. And he said, buddy, you just blew it. I don't know if it was that same day or later when the conviction became greater, but I went and, and I apologized to her. I have a long line of failed attempts at correction. 
but fortunately, I have a longer line of successful apologies. I don't remember ever doing that again. I am living proof that God's correction makes me better. Yet, if we refuse God's correction from people, he can and will make that correction even more painful. God corrects us then in what I call the rocky road. Now, I know you guys out there are in left field. You're totally picturing ice cream. So you're, you're, you're like my high school students. I'm like, I got, come on back to me. We're ta talking about ice cream. That's my favorite flavor, by the way, just saying. <laughs> but we're not talking about ice cream. I'm talking about, my, about this situ these situations in life that kind of, as we're walking this road, they stub our toes. They're life situations, circumstances that sting, things that make us stumble or cause us to trip up. And they're usually not big enough to cause la long-lasting pain, but we sure notice them. The prophet Hosea used a similar description to the rocky road in a verse that he wrote talking from God to the people Israel who were refusing his correction. This is what he wrote. For this reason, I will fence her in with thorn bushes. That sounds painful. That sounds like a rocky road to walk. He says, I will block her path with a wall to make her lose her way. Have you ever felt that way? Fenced in by embarrassing moments of correction that you want to brush off? Blocked by situation that, situations that God allowed in order to get your intention, to get your attention, and to, in order to save you from bigger, deeper pain? Like that evening, you had horrible heartburn, followed by trips to the medicine cabinet looking for Rolaids. Could that have been God correcting you and saying, Stop eating greasy food before you get an ulcer. Or how about that annoying co-worker's personality? It follows you from job to job. You can't seem to escape those kinds of people. Could it be that God's trying to correct you for the same annoying character traits you see in them? Or how about that week of, of cold, stony silence after your spouse caught you checking out that good-looking person in Walmart? Forcing a very painful, painful conversation. Could that be the rocky road of God's correction? Correction that would one day save your marriage from something far worse. I'm convinced that God has used the rocky road to correct me. In college, for the first time in my life, I got drunk. After I drank almost a gallon of some very cheap wine, I went out and I made a complete fool of myself. And then I spent the whole night vomiting in my bed. When I got up in the morning, I had the most horrible hangover that lasted for six hours. Guess what? God used that rocky road to cause me to never get drunk again. 
Do any of those rocky situations sound a little too familiar? Have you considered that God might be intentionally putting those rocks in your path to get your attention? To correct and protect you from something far worse that could be just over the horizon? Would you consider acknowledging and accepting that rocky road is God's correction before God has to use even more painful correction? You see, the ultimate purpose of God's correction is freedom. Freedom from the pain of of self-inflicted wounds and the effects that our wounds will have on others. God is not interested in bringing on pain. He wants to bring on change. Because God's correction makes me better. Better. But no one likes correction. No one, especially the rocky road of correction, no one likes it. We, in fact, we insulate ourselves from it. A couple of years ago, I had to come clean to my mom about a time I did exactly that. I insulated myself from God's correction. Mom, if you're watching, I'm sorry for taking so long to come clean. I should have come clean a lot sooner. But that time that dad spanked me, you gave me way too much time to prepare. Way too much time to prepare. I'm just saying. Guys, I put on three pairs of underwear. (laughs) One of them was long johns. And on top of that, two pairs of pants. Although it stung, it didn't sting like it would have stung if I hadn't done all that. Guess what? We tend to do the same thing with God's correction. We insulate ourselves from it. We cover up our mistakes. We hide them. We sweep them under the carpet to insulate ourselves from the pain of correction. We ignore God's correction. And when we do, God has to take the next step in correction. And it hurts. It really hurts. You see, God corrects us through pain. I believe pain is never God's favorite choice of correction. But at times, he will use pain to correct us. Friends, please understand this. Not all pain is God's correction. God did not allow, he did not allow your loved one to die of COVID in order to spank you for not appreciating them or for not coming to church like they wanted. God doesn't work that way. Some pain we we just will not understand until we're standing face to face with Jesus. But yes, God does use pain to correct when we refuse God's gentle correction found in the Bible, when we refuse his connection, his correction from those around us, and when we refuse his correction from the rocky road, God will use pain. And it breaks my heart to say that, but I know it's true. I've felt painful correction in my life, and you know what? I've seen painful correction described over and over again in the Bible. 
One story in particular stands out. It's the story of a young man named Samson. Now, this guy had it all. He had good looks, amazing biceps, a six-pack, and long curly hair, just saying. But he had a problem. He hated correction. And God tried the gentle approach. He tried to correct him through Scripture. In fact, God set him apart as a Nazarene, and part of the vows of being a Nazarene was this list of things that he would not do, things that would protect him. But Samson didn't pay any attention to that Nazarene vow that he took. And God gently tried to correct him through his parents. Over and over again, his parents said, Samson, please, the decisions you're making, they aren't good. They're going to lead you nowhere. He refuses to listen. And so God allows Samson to be captured by his enemies. And then God allows something even more severe. God allows Samson's eyes to be plucked out. That is pain. No, God is not the author of pain and suffering, but he will use it to get our attention. That month you spent in jail, that loss of a job, liver disease from alcohol, that ugly divorce, they're all painful ugly situations. Let God use them to correct you, to draw you back into his loving, forgiving arms. Remember, he corrects us because he loves us. The Bible says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. God is saying, accept my correction so that you can once again experience the joy of being close to me. Yes, God will allow pain, but he also collects the tears. One of my favorite verses is found in Psalms, and it says this, you, God, Keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in a bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. You see, God allows the pain while holding us in his arms, collecting the tears. May we say with confidence, God, your correction makes me better. Friends, there will come a day when we breathe our last and we'll all stand before our loving God. And for those who have never accepted God's correction, for those who continue to live their, their lives outside of a personal relationship with Jesus, believing their way is better than God's way, there will no longer be correction. There will only be judgment. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
inside that precious verse about God's love, we see a hint of that judgment in that little word, perish. We may wish that word wasn't there, but it is. And it was said by Jesus. You see, we're all sinners. We're all, all of us are in need of correction. We're all distant and disconnected from him because of our sin. But our God, he's a gentle God. He is a loving God. He doesn't want us to stay distant. He wants us all to be his children. He wants us to gather us up in his arms. So while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, God sent his son. And his son, Jesus, willingly walked to the place of death on a cross to correct the ultimate sin. Our sin of continually pushing God out of our life. Jesus died to save us from the ultimate consequence of pushing him away. He died to save us from death. And Jesus overcame death. It couldn't hold him down. Jesus came back to life under his own power and he brought us life, life that would last forever. I want that life. I need that life. There has to be more to life than this life. Do you want that kind of hope? If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to be a part of your life, you've never invited in him to begin the good work of correction, will you invite him in today? Don't put it off. Do it today. If you're ready to do that, I want to challenge you to pray with me. A very simple prayer. We're going to put it up on the screen. Just pray and ask him in. Let's pray together. Jesus, I confess that I have rejected your correction and I've chosen my own way for far too long. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you came back from death to save me from death. I give you my life right now, right now, Lord. Take my heart, it's yours. If you made that prayer, would you raise your hand right now? I'm proud of you guys. Don't look back. Don't look back. Keep moving forward. Heavenly Father, I also want to pray for those of us who have been sensing your correction. It may be gentle. It may be a little stronger through the voice of someone who loves us. It may through, be through some rocky situations that are, that are causing us to trip up. It may be that we're sitting in the pain of your correction right now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would listen to you, that we would pay attention to you, that we would reach out to you. Turn us to you, Lord. We need you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.